0: Hello and welcome to the Tech Unplugged podcast. My name is Max Montilaro. I'm live today at Dell Tech World and I'm very pleased to welcome Cam from Lightbit Labs. Hello, Cam. Hi, Max. Hey, good to have you. Thank you. So Cam, can you tell us a bit more about Lightbit Labs? I discovered your company very recently and I'm quite excited about what you guys are bringing on the market.
1: Sure, absolutely. So Lightbits is a Israeli-based startup. We have offices in Silicon Valley and New York City and we build a disaggregation solution. So our product is basically software that allows separation of storage from compute in cloud infrastructure, and that makes possible much better utilization of the infrastructure and ability to scale storage and compute independently. Uh, What we've seen is that our customers wanna be able to grow very rapidly their infrastructure to be able to support more users, and with that, they need more capacity, more performance, But they want to do that in an efficient way, uh, such that they're fully utilizing the infrastructure that they have, and they have an architecture that's easy to scale. So that's how we uh, help them. We help them move to a disaggregated model, separating storage and compute. And our solution can run on uh, standard servers. Uh, So basically, we take an off-the-shelf server. With our software, we can take all the SSDs that are inside of that server, virtualize that capacity, and then connect it to compute nodes anywhere in the data center. Uh, and we do that over standard TCP IP with, with a new protocol that we invented called NVMe over TCP.
0: Okay, so when, when you say, so first, first aspect, your software defined storage. Correct. Second thing, uh, you're using NVMe drives. Yes. And the, let's say, major innovation, if I could say it that way, is that you don't rely on RDMA Uh, You can use standard networking cards, and you use the uh, TCP as a transport protocol for the data. That's right. That's
1: right. So um, if you think about um, different ways that storage is being used today, uh, on one hand, you have direct-attached storage, which is very high performance, and it's used for latency-sensitive or performance-sensitive workloads. But then the problem with that is that you end up, um, as you scale and add more and more nodes, you're scaling both storage and, co- and compute together. So uh, eventually you're going to have underutilized infrastructure. You're going to have stranded capacity. So it's, it's not a good solution when it comes to efficiency. Another approach is to use more traditional SANs, uh, including iSCSI, where you already have centralized storage but then uh, you don't get the performance that is equivalent to direct-attached storage. The performance is much lower, the latencies are much higher. So what we do is we really are able to address both of those. We converge the two, meaning that we can uh, deliver performance that is equivalent to direct-attached storage using end-to-end NVMe, but we're still separating storage and compute. And we're doing that over standard TCP IP, which is very easy to deploy. So you get much higher utilization of your infrastructure and higher, uh, you know, more advanced uh, features such as compression and fault tolerance that you would get traditionally with SAN. But at the same time, we get performance that's equivalent to direct-attached storage.
0: I understand. So this tends to indicate that you're, you're in fact proposing a uh, block-based storage solution which is distributed, right? That's right, okay. that's right. So this is all
1: NVMe over fabrics. So NVMe over TCP just to briefly touch on that, uh, really was started uh, by us three years ago as a way to extend NVMe across the entire data center using a standard TCP IP fabric. And uh, it is now a standard as part of NVMe Fabrics, and which is a block interface. Uh, so if you remember, NVMe over Fabrics was, was invented uh, a few years back as a way to extend NVMe uh, to remote pool of SSDs over f- different fabrics, but initially it was designed for RDMA and fiber channel. And what we've done is we've added TCP/IP as a transport option for NVMe over fabrics. It's the same NVMe model. It is still a block interface. It's very easy to to use from a, a application perspective. Uh, but but now you can really deploy it at at hyperscale level.
0: Mm-hmm. So are there any advantages in using uh, standard TCP as a protocol? So, for example, some of the solutions which exist on the market require to have specific drivers or adapters or uh, bits of software. But I guess that with using the standard TCP protocol, you are not, uh, let's say, depending on any uh, bits of, let's say, customized software that the customer needs to install. That's exactly
1: right. That's exactly right. So the first advantage of NVMe over TCP is that you can use your just vanilla TCP IP networks, which, are, which is ubiquitous. It's av- available everywhere. You don't need any special network or any special configuration to your existing network. Second, we have, um, you can use clients or application servers uh, that just have an NVMe over TCP driver. You don't need any special NIC. You don't need an RDMA NIC. And we don't have, in the case of LightBits, we don't require any proprietary software on the client side. Mm -hmm. So we have contributed our code to the community for the drivers on the client side and have upstreamed that. And the community is now improving and enhancing that. So on the client side, we don't touch anything. It's just standard NVMe with TCP. In the network, we don't touch anything. Our IP is entirely on the target side. So our software and we do have an acceleration card, which is optional, all sit in the servers on the target side and are uh, you know, turning that server into a storage server that can connect to any compute node. And by the way, we also have a complete solution available for the market, which we call Super SSD. For those customers who wanna buy a complete appliance, mm-hmm. uh, that is based on a Dell server, which is integrated with our acceleration card and our software and is mm-hmm. sold as a complete solution
0: okay so that's uh, that's a good jump into the uh usual uh topic of you know partnerships and how to consume the product can you tell us a bit more i mean i'd like to get back maybe a bit later on the architecture of the product but talking around uh partnerships are you working just with Dell or do you have any others and in terms of purchasing and consuming your product how is it is that based on capacity or do you use any different models for licensing since your software base sure
1: let's talk about to market. So there are a few different ways to consume our product. First is the the most simplest way is a software only offering. So truly software defined, meaning that we can work on any off the shelf hardware. It can be Intel based, AMD based, or even ARM based. And uh, the customer is purchasing our software, installing it on their hardware platform. And then uh, in that case, we we sell our software uh, as a uh, license which is tied to the node or tied to capacity under management. Mm -hmm. The second option is to work with one of our OEM partners, and that includes Dell. Uh, So we uh, are already shipping with the support of the Dell OEM team to customers who are buying a Dell server that is pre-configured with LightBits acceleration card and software, and this is actually being delivered through Dell. So in that case, uh, the customer is getting the complete solution, but getting it through Dell. And the third option is to buy the complete appliance from LightBits. Okay. Uh, today, that product, which is called Super SSD, is also based on a Dell server. Now, if you're doing a software defined model, the, f- the first option that I mentioned, uh, which is software only, it can be on any server. It doesn't have to be, uh, ju- it's not just Dell. It could be any of the you know standard servers that are out there. As long as it has NVMe SSDs and a standard Ethernet NIC, that's all we need.
0: That's really amazing. Yeah, it's uh, it's just when I heard about it first, it blew my mind that you can you know uh, unleash the power of NVMe without having to uh, invest into anything specific or completely redesigning your network architecture or purchasing new NICs or you know whatever. So that that's really interesting. Can we uh, just focus a bit more now on the, uh, on the architecture? Maybe tell us a bit about you know, uh, how the, the, the storage is built. I mean, I understand that it runs sure. on, every, on, on several x86 nodes and perhaps as well about what kind of services are built on the storage. You talked about data reduction, for example, so Correct. if there's anything like that.
1: Yeah, sure. So if you look at our uh, software architecture, Uh, as i said earlier we sit entirely on the target side so unlike some of the other solutions that are in the market that require proprietary software on every node, we don't touch the clients on the target side we have two main layers of software there is a front-end nvme over tcp target Mm -hmm. and then there is a what we call a global flash translation layer or global ftl in short Mm -hmm. nvme over tcp target is our own user space implementation of Mm -hmm. nvme over tcp on the target side which gives you much better performance, and end-to-end flow control uh, to get much better latency as compared to sort of the upstream standard code. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, that is uh, uh, our own proprietary implementation, which is optimized for low latency. In addition, on the target side, we have the global FTL. The global FTL is a layer of software that is managing the SSDs and is also providing data services. So what do I mean by managing the SSDs? When we are optimizing uh, for the logical to physical translation, we're looking at the entire global pool of SSDs, not just an individual SSD. Yeah,
0: absolutely. That's what, I, that's what kind of when I heard global FTL, I yeah. was just about to ask you that. What's right. What's behind it? Because usually it's kind of, you know, taking ownership of the flash management layer somehow and... Exactly. Uh, improving that. So yeah. Go ahead. And, and
1: here's here's what's uh, unique here is that we're using standard SSDs. We're not requiring any special SSD. Or not it's not open channel. It's not any proprietary SSD. We want our customers to be able to pick any NVMe SSD that they want to use. Uh, and each of those SSDs ha- does have an uh, FTL inside of the bo- inside of the SSD. But our global FTL is running on top to essentially improve uh, the operation of the SSDs because we understand the SSDs very well. Mm -hmm. You know, LightBits, the team members of LightBits built the first NVMe SSD controller that came into the market almost 10 years ago. So through our global FTL, we can get better latencies, even better tail latencies than direct attached storage Mm -hmm. because we can avoid latency spikes that you may get in individual SSDs. We we separate reads mm -hmm. and writes and we serialize uh, all the writes uh, so number one is that you get better latencies but mm-hmm. did you want to
0: mm-hmm. I, I just told you know if you're overriding the ftl which is inside the ssd effectively or if you're kind of tweaking around it somehow
1: i would say we we neutralize it as yes, best as we can exactly. right mm-hmm. it's still there we don't have any special you yeah. know hooks into the ssd we're mm-hmm. using standard ssds mm-hmm. um, but we we because of our global FTL, the individual FTL and the SSDs don't have to do as much because mm-hmm. we're doing garbage collection. We're doing all the writes for serial, for mm-hmm. example.
0: So even kind of evening out somehow. Uh, exactly, the, uh, exactly. Making sure that the writes are done in such a way so that you're not right. wearing out too much one SSD and making sure the right. writes are all Smoothing valid. it out, smoothing exactly, it out across yes. all the SSDs. Mm-hmm.
1: And also, if you, uh, I'm sure you know that uh, the conflict between reads and writes can create latency spikes. Uh, because writes take much longer than reads. But because of how we manage the entire pool, we can actually avoid some of those conflicts and reduce uh, uh, the latency even further. Mm. Now, the global FTL also uh, provides data services, such as thin provisioning. So you can scale as you grow. We provide erasure coding so that there's protection, the data is protected if an SSD fails. Uh, these are things you cannot get with direct attached storage. So you get all the performance of direct attached mm-hmm. storage, or very close to it, but but all these other data services as well. We do compression at line rate, mm-hmm. um, and also quality of service per namespace per volume. So these are all features that come from our global FTL uh, that
0: essentially provide uh,
1: better use of the physical capacity that you have. So
0: in a sense, you are bringing. Um direct-attached performance with enterprise-class features and on a distributed file system, so you add some resiliency to the solution. That's right.
1: That's why I meant uh, we're basically converging what's been traditionally called SAN and direct-attached storage. Mm -hmm. So if you look today, there's direct-attached storage to get performance, and then there's SAN to get capacity and data services, Mm -hmm. but SAN doesn't have the performance. So with our solution, you get A combination of both. You get the performance of Direct Attach, but the data services and the centralized storage model of traditional SAN. Mm
0: -hmm. Can you tell us a bit more about your customers? Uh, I mean, what kind of use cases you're seeing, what kind of industries you're working with, just to get an idea of where your solution fits best, maybe even the use cases that you yourself advocate for the solution. Right. So
1: we have so far. We the company is three years old. We uh, launched our product, came out of stealth mode just uh, last month, actually, or a couple <laughs> months ago. So fairly new. But even before we released our product to production, we were selling our product, and uh, early customers have been software as a service providers and infrastructure as a service providers that are building their own uh, on-prem infrastructure but they like a software-defined model, they like to buy standard servers, they don't want to buy appliances. And by the way, that's another difference with traditional SAN. Traditional Mm -hmm. SAN is always appliances, which are more expensive, and and hardware and software tied together. In our case, you can get any hardware uh, to work with our software. So uh, early customers were those kinds of customers. And uh, we have, um, for example, I'll give you just one example. I can't mention their name, but they're very large software. as a service vendor, Fortune 500 company, that is uh, currently using us in four different data centers uh, and they're running live production traffic. Uh, and they provide, they're a cloud service provider, so they provide a service to their customers. And in the, in the back, they're using uh, Dell servers with our software and uh, using us for disaggregated storage. And they, they put our, uh, the, the model you know that they're working towards is to have a storage server in every rack that is not just servicing that particular rack, but has east-west traffic mm-hmm. to nodes anywhere in the data center so that they could create a cluster with whatever ratio of storage to compute that they want and, and get performance that, from an application point of view, is equivalent to direct-attached storage.
0: Mm-hmm. So I'm not really well aware about what kind of applications are running eventually on top of your storage solution, but is there, uh, is there a possibility for customers, for example, to replicate the data From one of your uh, SDS, let's say, namespaces to another one?
1: Yes, Mm -hmm. yes. So we do have uh, replication that provides multi-box durability across our boxes so Mm -hmm. that if a box fails, the data is protected and the service is uninterrupted. Mm -hmm. Uh, So definitely that is something that uh, is important for many use cases. Mm -hmm. As simple as, you know, the customer wants to bring down a rack to perform maintenance or mm-hmm. some firmware update, and and they don't want the storage server and all the, the failure domain with it yes. to affect service uptime. So we do provide uh, that multi-box durability. In terms of applications, we see lots of uh, database applications, you know, MySQL, uh, uh, MongoDB, uh, Cassandra, uh, and we also see high-performance analytic workloads. Mm-hmm. Anything that requires performance, high performance, and, um, and, and wants to you know, uh, deploy at scale. Mm-hmm. You know, one, I, I'll give you a very simple use case that, that we do hear from some customers, is that they already have infrastructure with compute nodes that are using SATA. And they want to be able to scale their storage. They don't want to replace all their compute nodes. Uh, and they see their storage growing at a faster rate than compute. So they want to independently scale storage. They want to move to NVMe, but they don't want to change everything. Mm-hmm. So all they need to do is drop in a server like a Dell 740 xd running light bits, and now they have this pool of hundreds of terabytes that they could share with all those compute mm-hmm. nodes. Each compute node can get a volume and attach to that volume, and have the experience of direct attached storage. So it's a very simple way to scale your storage, but not not just, you know, uh, low-performance storage. We're talking about storage that behaves like direct-attached without having to change your entire infrastructure.
0: it mm-hmm. no, is pretty amazing. Really, uh, i really, almost had lots of words, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's, well, that's We're uh,
1: really excited. We're, we're getting a lot of interest from... Uh, a variety of customers that are doing uh, you know, web scalers and cloud service yeah. providers. Another group of customers that are uh, also interested are private cloud enterprise. Uh, so in fact, uh, you know, we're doing a large um, uh, POC now with financial services a company in New York City, and there's more of those coming. We have a partnership with uh, VMware that we've started. Uh, vSAN customers are asking for a way to scale storage independently from compute because think about it you know when you have like a VMware vSAN as you add capacity you have to add everything you have to Mm -hmm. add licenses to vSAN and application licenses and a HCI node so it becomes pretty expensive but their customers are saying I want to just be able to scale my storage so how do we do that and we're working with VMware to take a solution to market
0: Mm -hmm. one last point probably from my side Uh, your block based so the question might not be fully relevant but do you see or do you have any offering to kind of extend what you're doing in the cloud for example for whatever purposes whether it's replication or are you leaving that up to the customers to figure out something
1: you mean as a managed service
0: uh, either as a managed service or a kind of virtual appliance which runs on amazon or whatever Just right out of curiosity because it might yeah. not even be relevant or it may not even make sense
1: right so we are partnering with infrastructure as a service providers and one that I can mention is Packet, which is another uh, Dell portfolio company, startup that we've been working with for some time. And there are other uh, infrastructure service providers as well that are taking our solution and offering it as a service to their customers. So uh, I think that's the place we're going to start initially. And then uh, whether or not, uh, you know, at what point do we offer our own managed service is still a question. You know, at a startup, there's no shortage of good ideas. And we have yeah, a lot of smart idea. people that have Absolutely. lots of good ideas. So we're just trying to kind of roll this out um, mm-hmm. in phases.
0: Amazing. Well, uh, last question from me. Uh, I don't remember if we touched base on that before, but uh, what about the licensing? I know we talked about the partnerships and the right. consumption models, but how do you license? Is that on capacity or is that based on the amount of physical servers? Right. We have,
1: we have two models for the software itself that's node-based so that every node pays a license. Mm -hmm. And then within the node, you can have whatever capacity you want. You can have whatever size SSDs or number of SSDs that fit inside the node. That's one model. Second model is capacity-based. So some customers, some infrastructure service providers, they like to have a more of a capacity-based model where they pay based on the capacity that's under management by Lightbits. That's for the software. Now the hardware, the card, is usually bundled with the software, the acceleration card. And if it's a complete storage appliance, that is sold as a storage appliance.
0: Mm-hmm. Remembered one last thing. You said you have an optional acceleration card. Yes. So what can you tell us about that?
1: Sure. The acceleration card is, a, is an important part of our uh, technology in that it allows us to provide these data services that I mentioned, like data reduction and data protection and global FTL acceleration uh, with, um, to deliver that at wire speed. So the card is a PCIe add-in card. It fits into the server and it works with our software. It's a storage acceleration card. And what that means is that uh, if a customer has a hardware platform that has enough CPU cores, you can do everything in software and you don't need the card. But if the CPU inside of the storage server doesn't have enough cores, or you want to optimize for best possible power and cost point, then you can use the, ca- the card and use a lower end SKU of yeah. the CPU.
0: The card sits on the storage nodes, right? Yes. Or, okay, so it's yes. sitting on the endpoint. Okay. No,
1: we don't want to touch the clients. That's good. So That's no, good no thing. special hardware so, or so software so on the that client. That
0: raises another point to me. I have no idea what the economics of using such a card is, but do you see a case where it's way cheaper to get the optional card and run entry level processors on the storage nodes? Is yes. There
1: Yes, there is a. Uh, a lot of times, you know, it depend- I would say it's f- half of our customers don't use the card, and half use the card, mm-hmm. because uh, in these storage servers, they, for example, you can use an AMD Epic server that has plenty of cores, and you don't need the card. Um, and there are some other applications where it's a smaller server uh, that is, you know, only has a few SSDs. Because remember, we're soft. We can fit into any size mm-hmm. hardware platform that they don't really need the card. Uh, but if the customer has, uh, let's say, a 24 SSD server and they want to use sort of the mid-range uh, uh, CPU option and they don't want to go for the more expensive CPU, then with the card, they can still get wire speed performance mm-hmm. and not have to upgrade their CPU. Uh, so that the card just makes our platform much more capable uh, in delivering at, at performance all the features mm-hmm. that I mentioned.
0: Amazing. Well, Cam, thank you so much for your time. Uh, it was really uh, very helpful for us. And I hope our audience is going to uh, to enjoy and check you, you guys out. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you for and having me. I really appreciate it. And, uh, and enjoy Delta you know, World. <laughs> Please check us out on uh, lightbitslabs.com. Absolutely. Thank, thank you, you very so much. much. Thank you, Max. Bye.